0: Hello, how are you? Glad to have you. This is the Down South IT Podcast. My name is Clark. Coming to you from the heart of Cajun country, where basically we're coming to you from a lockdown near you. And if it's anything like anything else has been going on this year, the holidays are going to be fun, won't they? But we're going to try to have a little bit of fun today, so... Let's try to get get that over and done with at least, that way we can have a blast. So Now before we get started, don't forget to check out the website, DownSouthITPodcast.com. The show prep page will be there, right underneath the embedded player. You can check out everything we're going to talk about today, which is going to be LEDs. How they got started, all of that kind of fun stuff. And as far as what you actually have in your home right now that is LED-based, would actually probably surprise you because we are surrounded by these things. But how exactly did they get started and when did they actually get started? Because it was a long time ago and it's probably going to be a surprise to you exactly when all of these things started coming out. So you can actually check out the, the show prep, it's right there underneath the embedded player. Check the link. Uh, while you're on the website, don't forget to check out the Defender newsletter. I have the build guides for the Raspberry Pi Christmas Light setup. Uh, I always get a lot of traffic on that page, on those three pages, actually, right about this time of year, because everybody's looking to try to build one of their own. And if you want to build one of your own, you can go on there as well and go check that out. I may put the links on Facebook too, just so everybody can kind of find them a little bit easier. But it seems like everything's been, <laughs> people's been finding it without uh, me having to put the links up there. So, and speaking of the Facebook page, you can check that out at Down South IT. Of course, all the things, usually nine times out of 10, if something gets announced for the podcast, it's going to be announced right there on Facebook. So if you want to be in the know, click that follow button and give me a follow. That way I can be up to date with you and you can see any of the posts, any kind of updates or anything like that for the show. Usually that's where I post everything because that's my main outlet at this point. Uh, I may branch out and do a few other things later on, but we go see. I'm I'm still kind of debating that. I may do something like that over the Christmas break here coming up soon. And speaking of Christmas break, the next episode, not this episode, but the next episode will be the season finale. And that'll be on December 8th. So December 8th is going to be the season finale. And I'll pick back up after the Christmas and New Year holiday uh, on January 12th. Is whenever the the season six premiere will be so season finale will be on the 8th and then i'll come back on the 12th of january with brand new episodes new season but same old fun so we'll keep that up going on going on there I will of course be updating the website and doing my two cents episodes if something comes up uh i kind of been slacking on that a little bit lately because i haven't had a whole whole lot of time here lately but we shall get into that uh, I did put up a video of the Pixel 4a unboxing and first impressions that I got up on Facebook. Uh, no, it's not on Facebook on YouTube, so you can search for that "Down South IT Podcast" on faith, on YouTube. God, I keep getting those mixed up. But on YouTube, the video is on YouTube, and I'm also starting to upload some videos up to Rumble. So I don't know if you've heard that. It's kind of a it's a different video sharing site um i'm starting to upload some stuff onto there and get my channel set up so whenever i do get everything set up on that side i will let you know i think i have a link to it already on the website it's up with the other icons on the top and the bottom of the page so if you do want to go check that out i do have a good bit of stuff up there already at least the stuff that i had most of the stuff that i had on youtube already i already uh, i got on there but i'm still adding a few here and there you know, some of the, the odd and end videos and stuff like that. And whenever I go forward, I'm going to upload to both. So that way I can have it on YouTube and on Rumble. And just to just to make it a little bit easier, you know, because a lot of people are, are switching away from YouTube and going to Rumble. Just like a lot of people are going from Twitter to Parlor and, you know, different things like that. So I'm still kind of playing around with it. But for right now, that's kind of where I sit. I'm a, I'm going to end up using both for now. So, I'm a if I decide to make a jump, which I don't think I will, but I I'll, I'll play that whenever it comes here. Uh I'll let you know and probably be a Facebook post or something along that line. So, if anything happens with that, I will of course let you know. And while you're on the website lastly, uh lastly, God, I can't talk tonight. Lastly, check out the merch store. They got a lot of cool stuff up there. Everything that you get on there helps me out uh, to do some cool build projects. I got a nifty little idea for something that I may be coming to do uh, fairly shortly. So keep stay tuned for that because that uh, what I got in mind is going to be pretty cool. I'm just hoping I can do it. It's <laughs> I don't want to give too much away and I realize I'm really not because there's not much that I can say yet because it's pretty much just an idea in my head. But as soon as I start doing something uh, and building something, I will, of course, put that up and kind of do a build guide as I go. But I am I'm, I'm, I'm have an idea that for something that could be fairly cool and very useful around the house. So especially if you have a lot of smart home stuff, it's, it's going to be cool. So, so stay tuned for that because that's going to be interesting. I can almost guarantee you. So getting into the meat and potatoes today, we got LEDs. And an LED is a light-emitting diode. And what it is, it's a semiconductor light source that emits light when a current flows through it. So basically, material that's somewhat conductive, but not very conductive like something like copper or gold or you know something like that, or tin. It's not that kind of conductive. It's fairly conductive, but it's not massively conductive on its own. And what it is is there's a small gap in between two different semiconductors and depending on how far that gap is and what the semiconductor is actually made of when a current flows through it, the output is photons or light. So depending on what they're actually made of is what color they are because the color is dependent on the material. But not just the material, but actually the amount of electricity flowing through it also affects the color. But the main thing that affects the color is the the material that is used for the conductor. So where did all of that get started? It actually started way back in 1907. They had a British experimenter, HJ Round of Marconi Labs, which Marconi is famous for, telegraph and you know, different things like that. The Marconi radio player, so uh, Marconi radios, different things, telegraph, but that's basically what they were doing. And he started using crystals of silicon carbide to the, figure out that, hey, if you put electricity through this, it'll glow. And they called it electroluminescence. And that was basically the basis for LEDs. It went through several different iterations going from 1927 they had a soviet scientist that was uh created the first one in 1927 but they really had no kind of practical application for it back then so pretty much it got kind of lost to the sands of time for a while and then someone else came up with something that's like hey you can use a different material to show the same electroluminescence principle but you know so they kind of went back and forth back and forth and really the next big jump in led technology was back in 1957. Now there was Ruben Brownstein of the radio corporation of America. He started work on infrared leds using different gases and different, uh, materials. And what he figured out was that you can use these leds or semiconductors using different alloys and you can use it for non-radio communication over a short distance so what he did was he set up a optical communication link and basically he used a basic uh, record player that he modified a little bit and he was able to actually take the diode that he created and was able to send a light source a light uh, emitted light to another diode some distance away And the signal that was caught was sent to an audio amplifier and played back by a loudspeaker. And if you put your hand in front of the beam, the music stopped. So he was actually doing a LED optical communication array, basically, which is very, very similar to what we use in modern day fiber optic cables. This one just happened to have no cable in front of it. This was just over the air. A couple of years after that, in 1961, Texas Instruments uh, researchers discovered a near-infrared light emission from a diode that they they had constructed using a few different other materials. And after a little bit of a hullabaloo with the U.S. Patent Office, they were able to show that their research and everything predated some of the other uh, people that were doing research in this area, and they were actually granted two patents. And as soon as they were granted the patents, they started to manufacture these infrared LEDs and this was actually the first in commercial LED product and it was way back in 1962 is when these first came out and of course being near-infrared we are most used used to these kind of LEDs in pretty much every remote control that you own and that's the the whole idea behind it it's a near-infrared LED and then on your TV is a photoconductor that will read the different blinks from that LED. So your remote control was actually first conceived and the parts being able to be produced in 1962. But visible LED was the visible light LEDs were a little bit different and those were really, really expensive to produce. So, really, the first things that were able to be produced with those were like research equipment and testing equipment and different things like that back in the early sixties, mid sixties. And probably the biggest advance of those was made by HP and HP actually went through and they did a bunch of R and D on this in the the mid sixties. And they created the first usable led product, which was an led display. And in fact, they, uh, they partnered with Monsanto to get this, uh, indicator lamp launched in 1968 because Monsanto was the one that actually produced it. So at first it was just an indicator light, which was just a, you know, a red indicator light when something happened the next year, they were able to split that led into what they call a numeric indicator. And if you remember Way back in the day, they had what they called Nixie tubes with the, which uh, even if you do go now into like an old school calendar or clock, they have the, the glass tubes with the LEDs in them. That's actually a Nixie tube. That's what they came up with back in 69 as the first real commercial LED product that was used as a display and pretty much every other number type LED display is based off the Nixie tube now fast forward a couple of years to 1971 and they had a few different ideas as far as how to actually make more of these semiconductors and different uh different manufacturing process like the planar process which is basically you lay out all the different parts of the transistor and you, you just connect them and in fact that's how modern CPUs are are built and made on silicon wafers and different things like that. So they used that process and then they had a couple other things that they did with packaging. And that was able to drive the cost down to about a nickel per device. So a nickel per LED device was the cost that they ended up getting down to. And being that the LEDs were that cheap, that's when you started seeing them in. TVs and radios and calculators and, you know, different things like that. That's when you really started to see those. In fact, they really made a, a, you know, kind of a big impact, you know, later on in the the mid seventies, but early seventies, whenever they started getting into that, especially Texas instruments, using some of their calculators and different things like that, they were able to use LEDs for that type of thing because they were so cheap to produce. But up until that point, all the LEDs have been red in color, either red or an orange issue red. Now, in 72, they had some doctoral students in material science and engineering at Stanford were able to create a blue violet LED by introducing magnesium, magnesium dope gallium nitride, which is a mouthful if I ever had one. But basically, whenever they introduced the magnesium to this uh, these other elements it created a blue violet or a blue green light so now we have blue and we have red but in order to get white you need green and unfortunately it was a few years uh, quite a few years before the blue leds were actually high enough output and energy efficient enough to be able to be mass produced and that was back in 1991 whenever they finally got a, another patent producing high brightness blue leds now once blue leds were in the mix then they were able to come up with ones that produce different green phosphoruses, and that would be able to get as get us white Now, the, the only bad part with that is when you use separate leds for green red and and blue the mixture of colors it comes off as white to the the naked eye but the colors are the colors kind of funky it's not exactly you know it doesn't seem like true white so what they ended up doing was they came up with another process called YAG and YAG stands for the different materials that they used I'm not even going to attempt to try and, and do that But basically it produces a yellow light through fluorescence and the combination of the yellow light with the remaining blue light of that LED produces white to the eye. The wavelength that that produces is a much more natural white than if you use the RGB combination. Once it was found out how to use a, get a natural white light coming from LEDs. Now we have pretty much everything we need. And they started making them and now the costs have come down. So now on top of just using different things for just the specific color that the LEDs are made for, you can use different LEDs and different color combinations to make just about anything you want, including white, which is what's basically taking over now for incandescent light bulbs. Now, as far as regular incandescent light bulb replacements go, they get, they use the same two methodologies that the other white LEDs use they either use a mixture of red green and blue or they use blue tinted with a what they call phosphors to shift the color to a, a more white color which is the seems to be the more natural and it's actually a cheaper way to make it but with all white LEDs you're going to look at the color palette and basically the color is going to be a number value from say 2700 to 6000 and it's going to have a k at the end so it's basically what temperature that color is so the lower you get the more orange or red that color becomes so if you look at say a 27 to 3000 k bulb that you would normally put in your house, these are going to be a more warm toned color. It's going to have more orange to it, more red to it. So you're going to use that and it's more of a warmer color. As you get up into the higher levels, say the four, the five, the 6,000 you know, range, especially in the six to 7,000 range, that's where your light starts to shift and become more blue. The higher the temperature, the more blue you're going to get. And then believe it or not, that's the same as in HID headlights and LED headlights that you see in your car. It's the exact same thing. Granted, the output on your headlight is going to be a lot more than the light bulb you have in your living room, but the color profile is going to be the same. You want it, a, a actual pure white is going to be right around 6,000 Kelvin. It's going to be about 6,000 K. Anything higher than that, you're going to get more into the blues and the purples, Anything lower than that, you're going to start getting that yellowish tinge to it. So some of the older headlights tend to run, you know, 3,500, maybe 4,000 K. Whenever the, as far as the white light goes, a lot of the newer ones are running between six and seven. So that would that's especially the the high intensity, you know, ones that you see on some of the luxury cars and different things like that. The real bright ones, those are pushing your six and your 7,000 K. So that's why they have that bluish purplish tinge to them because they're they're at that higher color profile. But getting back to the LED bulbs, one LED is not going to be enough to light up an entire room. So these bulbs are actually made into arrays. So they have many LEDs on a single board with a controller to be able to control the, like, the current going to them and Not, well, some of them, some of the RGB ones, you can, they, they actually control the color and different things if they, if that bulb has that ability, but a lot of them are there just mainly for current. So they can have the correct amount of current going through it. So you get the right color profile, but it, it can be anywhere from nine to 12 to uh, 50 LED actual LEDs in a single bulb to be able to give you enough light output to be able to light up a room. And they actually call that a LED driver whenever you have a lot of different LEDs of the same type using for the same function. So when you use it in a bulb like that and you're using multiple LEDs, upwards of 12 to 15 of them, sometimes nine depending on the output. But when you're using lots of LEDs in conjunction with each other, then you'll get what they call a LED driver. And if you want to see a picture of what that looks like along with some other... LED bulbs, different types that they they have now. You can go check out the show prep on the website, DownSouthITPodcast.com, and you can check out on there. It has a few different types. You can see what the driver looks like, what an actual LED floodlight looks like when it's taken apart. I have a They have a diagram on that and a few, couple other ones too. But there's so many uses for LEDs. I mean, we have them pretty much everywhere in our house right now we have them in our computer monitors. We have them in our TVs using for, not just for the backlights, but if you have an OLED TV, you actually have LEDs as the actual picture making material for your TV. So you have that as well. Not to mention, same thing for your phone. You got LED backlights on your phone. You have if you have an OLED uh, phone, you have the same thing as your TV. Indicator lights. we got indicator lights on everything. Everything has an LED <laughs> in it, just about. Your, Ninten- your Nintendo, your Xboxes, your printers. Um, your hard drive has a blinking light. Your computer has blinking lights. If your computer is a gaming type and it has the RGB lighting, you got RGB lights. Uh, LEDs in your computer case we got LEDs in our street lights that's the, that's what a lot of street lights are going towards now not not to mention because they're brighter but the fact of they don't take near as much power and they also last for so much longer so street lights are using them stop lights signal lights warning lights pretty much anything you see on the road is going to be an led at some point you see, you see it on the road in digital signage, using the, the big billboards. Football and baseball stadiums are using them for their signage and their scoreboards. They use them in horticultural lighting to help with growing plants indoors. They flash on your camera, not just your phone LED flash, but also your higher-end cameras use LED flash now, too. And on top of that, the biggest one that we can all use, because we all use the Internet, is fiber optic communication. We use fiber optic cables without even knowing it. And all of that data, everything going across that that line is all light, but it's all sent by LEDs. Now, it could be different types of LEDs. It could be single mode fiber, which is just a single wavelength of light, or it could be multimode, which is many different. Wavelengths of light traveling all at the same time on the same cable upwards of a dozen different data streams on one cable Because you're using different wavelengths of light to communicate to each, you know, node So at this point we live see breathe experience LEDs pretty much Every waking hour of every day at some point point. and to think of the technology that this came out of was found out way back in 1907 just the theories and different things and then it just started to slowly progress into what we have now where basically everything is an led it's an amazing progression it really is and it's it was doing the research on this was kind of i was surprised at a lot of the stuff that came up with this and i purposely left out a lot of the science-y type stuff you know because it doesn't make for a good podcast so uh if you really want to know more about it I did do a link, I got links to the different articles that I used on Wikipedia and and a couple other ones and they have diagrams and different things on that on the show prep, so if you really want to get into it and kind of learn what's going on with them and how all of this stuff actually works on a more granular level, please hit up the show prep, you can check that out, it's going to be right there on the homepage underneath the embedded player, you just click the show prep icon, it'll be right there for you and while you're there like i said check out the the raspberry pi christmas light build you can if you still have time granted it's not a whole lot of time if you want to build one of these things before uh, you put up your your christmas lights this year but if you really truly wanted to you could do this in a weekend you could do that build in a weekend if you get everything so it's it's definitely possible it's possible but if you really want to go check that out it's on the website also the vendor new le- newsletter all the back episodes on the Embedded Player. There's a lot of stuff on the website to go through. So peruse at your leisure, please, if you don't mind. Also, don't forget to follow me on Facebook at Down South IT. That way you can be abreast of pretty much all the news and different things going on with the podcast. Since pretty much everything that I do now is going to be announced through Facebook in some fashion. So if you want to be the first to know, like me on Facebook, and then you can be one of the first to know of just about anything going on with the podcast. And like I like to end every podcast, a paraphrase from Albert Hubbard, technology can replace the work of many people, but it can never replace the work of one extraordinary person. So go out and be extraordinary today. Thank you all for listening. It's been awesome. Y'all have a great Thanksgiving holiday. Be safe out there as much as you possibly can. I love you and I'll see you next time on the season finale of the Down South IT Podcast. Later.